Hello and welcome to episode 6 in the Masters of the World series looking back on the history of the BDO World Masters. This time I'm joined by the 1989 champion, the Fen Tiger Peter Everson. I'm now delighted to be joined by the Fen Tiger Peter Everson. How are you Peter? Uh, very good considering, yes. I mean we're going into a second lockdown now but what has 2020 been like for you? That's probably the same for most people but uh, you know it's... You've got to just make do, and lucky enough, I got away to Cyprus for 10 days, which is uh, you know, a lot more than what other people have got. You know, I've just got to make do now, just got, just got to go along and try and get rid of this horrible virus we've got. I mean, what keeps you busy these days? Uh, I do a school run, uh, I've got a PCV license, so you know, I drive 16 seater buses. Apart from that, I'll go to the gym three times a week, keep myself fit. Uh, practice twice a week and hopefully there might be a Q school coming in January. Before we talk about what the future might hold, looking back, when did you first start playing darts? Oh my god, uh, I was 13, so 43 years ago. And how did you get introduced to it? Well, my sister was playing darts and her boyfriend uh, and I went past the pub, I think I was 12. They were short and they said, do you fancy playing tonight? I said, well, I'll give it a go because, you know, I've played since seven. I only ran my, uh, you know, my grand, grand and granddad's house. So I said, I'll give it a go. And, and I played quite well considering, you know, I've never played in a dark team and I got a buzz from it. And that's when I went out and got a board and started playing five to six hours a day, near enough every day. I mean, the first time Dart fans saw you on TV wasn't in a, a tournament, though. It was You were on Bullseye as a contestant. What was that experience like? Oh, yeah, was, that was a bit surreal. That was, uh, you know, the, the, the guy... I used to make double glazing windows, and uh, the guy said, uh, you play Dart, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, I've just put this application in for Bullseye. Said, should we go along? So I said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I think I was playing for Cambridge County at the time. You know, we got beat first round and uh, Jim knew I was a good player and he, I said, well, I'll be back as a pro next year to him as a joke. And uh, that's what happened. I was back next year as a pro. <laughs> I mean, you and Alan Warren are the only people to kind of do both sides of the divide. How was it coming back as the, the pro player and doing the Nine Darts for Charity? Uh, a lot easier. <laughs> There's no pressure on them, you know, when you're... It was unfortunately the guy that I was with didn't answer the hundred pound question, uh, which cost us, you know, going through. Coming back, I mean, you know, you get time to relax in the VIP room, uh, have a drink with uh, Jim Bowen and Tony Green, and you have time to relax and plenty of practice. And you're only throwing nine darts, and you know, it's a bit of luck, really. You know, if you get a good score. I mean, a couple of years later, you got to the Gold Cup final, and then in 1986, you had your sort of big breakthrough moment. You beat John Lowe at the British Professional. What did that win do for you? Well, like everything else, it gives you confidence. Uh, knowing that you can beat the top players. Then I went on to win Finland, which is, you know, it, gives, it just gives you so much confidence when you play well on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, people start to worry about you. Uh, it's a bit different these days. I don't think, you know, the youngsters coming through worry about anyone. They just want to beat you. But then days, you know, you, you'd win a few legs before you even played. 
you know, I went up there with the attitude when I was playing Lowy that, uh, you know, I've got nothing to lose. 1987, you got to the final of one of the last News of the World competitions. Did you enjoy the kind of different format and structure of that tournament? I don't think anyone liked that uh, <laughs> format because at one stage you were thrown from eight foot. Uh, then they changed it to seven foot nine and a quarter. Uh, I remember playing on the elm balls, which was dripping of water, uh, which was good. But when I lost Ali Pali, I, I mean, I... I had three darts in the first leg to beat Gregory and four darts in the second, I believe. So I was a bit gutted that day that I lost. And the prize was a big, big difference. You know, the trip to the Caribbean and eight grand. The runner-up got a grand, so it's a big difference. Yeah, can you imagine? In 1988, you made your debut at Lakeside, and I've read before that you said that that was the only venue in your career that really gave you goosebumps. What was so special about the Lakeside for you? I think it's just, you know, it's the hush, and the they appreciated, you know, every dart that was thrown. Uh, it's a bit different, as you know, these days, you know, you can only hear yourself up there. That's why a lot of people are wearing earplugs and... You know, it, it was it was just different. You could actually, well, for me, it was just the venue that would always be with me because it made me tingle every time I played there. The next year you got to the semi-finals of the World Masters, or sorry, later that year you got to the semis of the World Masters. I think it was you lost it to John Lowe. And did you enjoy playing him and Eric Bristow or did you feel a bit of pressure because you were a young guy yourself at the time? I loved it. Uh, I've probably got one of the best records against Eric. I think he's only ever beat me once. Uh, Lowy's beat me a couple of times. I've beat him loads of times. No, I just, I was always up for, you know, the people I used to admire on TV. Mm. Uh, I wanted their scalps because, you know, it made me a better player. I didn't have any fears in them days. So, you know, even, you know, mm. like to jockey when jockey was around. You know, they were all, brilliant players to play against and uh, I'm just lucky I had the privilege to do that yeah 1989 you won the World Masters you beat Phil Taylor and then you beat Eric in the final what was that moment like when the, the winning double went in to win the title I went out on a big shot because it went to a tiebreaker uh, last leg and I went out on 129 I believe yeah uh, and Eric was thereabouts so it was a brilliant final but uh, that's the only year it wasn't shown on TV, which is a bit of a bummer. I mean, how frustrating was that at the time, the fact that the prize fund had been cut from when Bob Anderson won it the year before in half and there was no TV? Was that a big source of frustration at the time or did that annoy you more in later years? Uh, probably in later years. I mean, you, it doesn't matter what the prize money is or if there's TV or anything, there's a tournament there to be won. And that's the way I looked at it. At the end of the day, you know, my name's on that trophy and it won't be taken off. That's if they ever get the trophy back. <laughs> it's been refused to be given back at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So. And I suppose, you know, you were, I think you were about 25 when you won that title. Did that open a lot of doors for you in terms of where your career went after that? Uh, I guess so, until the, of course, the uh, split happened. Uh, I was always busy doing exhibitions because, you know, at, at stage there I was, I was managing myself. You know, I, when in all my spare time I was practicing, and then I was sending out flyers to every every club in the country. 
Uh, I'd sit at home for that, you know, a couple of hundred things a day with my profile on uh, and then send them out to clubs and pubs and that's how I got all my work in. Uh, a lot of players just expect it to come to them, but these days it doesn't. You've got to go and get it and uh, that's the way I looked at it, you know, at a young age. And am I right in thinking sort of the, the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, you linked up with Dick Alex and started to tour with Eric Bristow a lot more? Yeah, I was, uh, first of all, I was with Tommy Cox uh, and then we fell out and well, Dick asked me to go with them uh, and, you know, we had a good a good stable there. Uh, I think there was five of us. Uh, and, yeah, you know, the opportunities come even more then because... Dick Alex was a, a very professional man uh, and he, he was looking all after all of us until uh, obviously the split come. And I mean, I suppose that the issues with the World Masters, with the, the drop in the money and the, the TV, did that make the decision for you to be part of the, the 16 that split easier? And what was your perspective on the whole thing? It was hard, I must admit. Uh, you know, Dick Alex and uh, McLeod Holden, they said, you know, we, we're a unit. Uh, we all want to stick together and the players in that camp all stuck together until Gregory run back uh, so it was a it was part of it but uh, you know you look at the prize money these that well before they went into liquidation the prize money uh, I think I put it on Facebook the other day there was a tournament in Tom Molinos uh, and it was £1,100 for the winner of it. So I put, you know, I was there 30 years ago and it was only a £1,000 then. Uh, you know, so it's gone up £100. Well, no, £1,000 in 30 years. And the pairs prize money is the same. And uh, John Farrell, a friend of mine, says to me, uh, well, at least, at least it's progress. It's gone up a thousand pounds in thirty years. It's you know sad to see. A lot of the players deserve a lot better than that. I mean, especially with uh, Warren. You know, he won that. He played brilliant. He deserved to get you know at least half the pot. But what he got was disgraceful, and uh, they should hold their head up in shame. I mean, around the time of the, the split, obviously you mentioned Mike Gregory, but going back, and I know Chrissy Johns did as well, did you ever worry that it wouldn't work out? Uh, not once it was in, you know, we all met up in Crown, the Crown Court in London. Uh, I knew we'd all stick together because, you know, our personalities, and we didn't want to go back. Because uh, at the end of the day, I lost a lot of work uh, through it because... The BDO were telling everyone not to go to our exhibitions. Uh, and the brewery, you know, didn't see big numbers at these exhibitions. So, you know, I lost, lost a lot of work. I didn't think, we, I didn't even think Mike would go back. But uh, it was, you know, he just bottled it. He had, he had a family, at the, a young family at the time and decided to go back. But uh, it was his loss. I mean, when you switched over to the PDC, the, the biggest, I suppose, the biggest success for you was the World Match Play in 1996. That second round, you beat Phil Taylor 8-1, averaged 103. Do you think that was the best win of your career? Uh, yes, I would say so on TV. I've just got the book from 
25 years of the world professional. Uh, my highest average over the years in that was 97. So, yeah, I'll say that would be my best winning average. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I knew Phil before he was a pro uh, and I was always beating him then. So he didn't hold any fears to me. And when he came up with a cape and that, I thought, you know, I'm going to smash her, and I did. So, you know, I prepared properly. I played well all week. Uh, and I was happy, you know, I was in a happy place. That final with Dennis Priestley, I watched it back over the weekend. It's an incredible game. You were 14-11 ahead. When he reeled you back to 14-all, did you worry that maybe the moment was gone or the tide was turning, or were you still confident? Well, I was always confident. Uh, I know Dennis's game inside out. He's a grinder. He never gives up. And I thought once it's you know back to fourteen, and I said to myself, now you've got to go again, because uh, he was he was playing tremendous. So you know, he, I think he left a double when I went out on the ninety six to win it, which is you know, Dennis's true grit, uh, true champion, and uh, you know, such a nice guy as well. But uh, Unfortunately, he's never won that well, match play, has he? So it's mm. a bit of a... When you hit that 96, you, you missed the 20 at the start and ended up with a big five, came down and then went back up for, for the tops. You, you just turned around and sort of stood there as though you were taking it all in. What were those first few seconds like when they said that, you know, game match Peter Everson? Uh, it was just, you don't believe you were there. It's, it's just one of, them, one of them things, you know, oh, I've done it. Hence, afterwards, I, I stayed there for about, I think it was an hour and a half, taking pictures of, you know, with people on the stage, signing autographs. It was just until it sunk in the next morning when I was in the hotel and went to check out. And it was a bit... Uh, then I did the interview with the uh, late Willie Fawn and uh, I think it was Jeff Sterling. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, looking back... Yeah, it didn't sink in for a while. And I mean, your the the check they gave you for winning was twelve thousand pounds, and Dimitri Vandenberg earlier this year got one hundred and fifty grand for winning the same title. To see how much the PDC has grown, sort of in the, the twenty four years since then, um, that must fill you with immense pride being one of the founding members. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, I watched it last night. Uh, Peter Wright winning in the European, uh, and just you know to see it carrying on behind closed doors with hardly any crowd it's you know fair play to the PDC hmm. I think you know, it, they're doing such a tremendous job to keep it going and hopefully you know the crowds will get back next well it won't be this year I don't think I think it'll be next year and it'll all be back to normal but uh, it's going to take a while hmm. uh, lucky, lucky enough uh, I'm still a shareholder in the PDC so I get to you know see how well it's doing and and to see how well Barry Earn's doing he's a tremendous bloke and he's you know he's a true gentleman in the, the 90s the PDC World Championships you got to the semis three times and you played in three third place playoffs how strange were those games to play in? well no one wanted to play them <laughs> uh, you know you're on, a, you're on a downer anyway uh, you put so much into it you know, I think we just went up there and just threw for the motions. Uh, I think the difference was only a thousand pound anyway. Mm. 
So it didn't really matter, you know, if you won, you won. Yeah. Uh, but no one wanted to play. Especially, I mean, me and Eric didn't want to play when we we had to play. Yeah. But you got to go up and do it, you know, to yeah. entertain the crowd for the old game. But they got rid of it. <laughs> After your match play win in 96, you never really seemed to, to kick on in the way I think most people expected to. Can you point to any specific reasons why you didn't kind of maybe achieve what you thought you would have done? I don't know. I just, I can put it down to doing too many exhibitions and not enough practice. Uh, going through a lot of things personally. I guess that, you know, that affects you in a way. But, uh, yeah, I think the last tournament I actually won was in 2000, the French Open, I think. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I should have done better, and I know I should have done better. You can't bring back time, and it, it is what it is. A lot of people would have liked to have done half of what I've done. So. I mean, I read something a, a while ago. I think it was when Dimitri won, and it was saying that sort of, in a way... You've become the the forgotten man on the on the champions wall at the the match play. Do you think that's true? No, no, that, that never. I don't think that will ever be, because uh, you know they always mention the Taylor game where I beat him eight one, uh, beating Priestley in a good final. It always comes up. So mm -hmm. no, I don't think I'll ever be forgotten. I just think you know there's more out there at the moment which is coming through it's you know you've got to look after the people that are there and then doing it now mm. so obviously those, those 10 years didn't go so well for you so was it an easy decision kind of the end of 2007 to, to hand your tour card in and, and opt to do the, the League of Legends instead oh yeah it was you know it was, it was a no brainer they were offering a good good amount of money I wasn't going to earn that playing on the circuit so you know we all done that and uh, got more exhibitions out of it as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you never know. It might come back round again. Mm. But uh, we're all getting a bit older now, and uh, it's a shame like Eric's not there anymore, which makes a big difference. So, you know, he likes to wind up, and so do I. And we had a lot of fun together. And it's just, you know, it'd be nice, you know. I think Barry might do a legends like they do in snooker, but. It might be a few years down the line now. You know, after that, I know you did Q School and the Challenge Tour in a number of, number of years, but after 2018, you, you haven't done them. Why did you stop? Uh, well, I don't think my injury, what I had, was fixing properly. So that's why I give it up for a while. Uh, I didn't throw a dart for about four months just to see if it could fix itself. Uh, but, you know, it's still probably 85% now. But uh, I've just got to build it back up. And uh, that's why, hence, I go to the gym three, four times a week. So so what was the injury and when did you, you know, first pick it up? Uh, well, I actually picked it up in the gym. Uh, I got a trap nerve in my neck. Uh, and it went all down the right-hand side of my arm. And I went to play darts one night. And I went to throw a dart like I normally do, and it hit, it hit the scouting board. And I thought, well, what's going on here? And uh, then I went to see a physio, and they said, you've got a trap nerve in your neck. And all 
my arm and my bicep was disappearing. Hmm. So it went really thin, like a muscle wastage sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, you, you could nearly get your, your hand around it. That's how thin it went. Uh, so, you know, it's taken me for God knows how long to get my muscle back. And, you know, it was all flabby and soft. Now it's, you know, really getting back to normal strength and quite hard because I do quite a bit now. Uh, so hopefully you know, it's going to get better and better. And that's why hence I'm going back to Q school in January, all being well. And I know you played some BDO events as well over the last decade. What was that like when you went back for some of those? I've just done it for pure winding people up. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine wanted to go and do it. Uh, so we started touring. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to see, old, you know, my old friends, Adams and Tony O'Shea, Daryl Fitton, and you know, I've, I grew up with them, playing with them as well, so it was nice seeing them. But, uh, yeah, and plus it got me away for the weekend and you know, to enjoy myself. Did you find there was any any animosity from the people you were trying to wind up? Uh, some, but, uh, you know, some people can give it, but can't take it. Uh, so, you know, it didn't bother me. Uh, we just had fun and a lot of the organisers that I knew from years before where I was going to tournaments and winning them uh, they were still around and I wanted to see them so Hmm. it's all good for a catch up I mean you mentioned going to to Q School do you feel that there's sort of unfinished business for you in the PDC because I know your last appearance at the the match play I think you lost 10-0 to to Ronnie Baxter (laughs) yeah it was uh, one of my disastrous days but uh, yeah, I was in a bad place then. So, I don't want to go into that. But uh, mm. things go on. And, uh, you know, you've got to move on from that. And you live and learn, as they say, in life. And I know, I know you said you didn't want to go into it, but are you in a, a better place sort of mentally now? Oh, without a doubt, yes. Uh, you know, my partner's been gone eight years now. Uh, you know, she's got asbestos on the lungs and she died very young so you know it it takes time and you know it's like everything else you you only get one life and make the most of it and you've got to pick yourself up dust yourself down it's like a, there was a I, I think you know him Jamie the Welsh guy what's his name Jamie, Jamie Lewis Jamie Lewis yeah he wrote something on Twitter the other day you know, and I've, uh, I reached out to him, you know, because I've been through quite a lot and I just told him to stay off of uh, social media, get rid of everything that's negative in his life, start practising, he's a better player than that, he's better than Joe Cullen. You know, I've been there when Jamie's been the better player and I said, just look at Joe, what Joe's doing, get up and do it yourself. And he replied saying, yeah, you're right. Thanks for the information. And I think all players, I've got to try and help these youngsters get through all these tough times because it's tough out there. And I can feel his pain because I've been there, done it. 
do you mentioned watching the, the European Championships and stuff. Do you still watch the sport? Because I know I read an interview, I think it was last year, with you where you were sort of saying that the, the players of today just weren't the same as the ones you started coming through with in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I, I always watch it because uh, I'm good friends with Peter, right? Uh, and, you know, I think Gerwin Price is the best thing that the PDC have got at the moment. Everyone should be doing what he's doing. Uh, celebrate, intimidate someone. Eric used to do it. You know, I used to do things as well. And the wind-ups, you know, you can't, you can't say boo to them now or else you get disciplined, which is, uh, I'd rather get disciplined uh, because I'm going to go up and play my own game. You know, if you get a good shot, yeah, celebrate. I think going price is the best thing that PDC have got. Hmm. And I hope he gets to number one. I mean, you mentioned you did a few things. What were the sort of tactics used to, to try and employ? Well, it's like, uh, well, I talk manly as well, you know, slow players down. If they're playing well, try and slow them down until you're playing well and then speed them up. You know, there's different ways of playing. Uh, take your darts out the board slowly. Now, if, if there's a fast player, you're taking the book darts out slowly, uh, he's up there, Yoki waiting to throw, so he's got to wait. They're all different things like that. I mean, I, I've had Taylor coming back in me here saying, you ain't going to win this, and I, you know, I'll come back and say, yes, I am. You know, it's just the banter you had. You know, Eric used to say, what's the point you turning up today? You ain't going to win. And I just, you know, I'm out here to prove you wrong. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's just... You can't do it these days. Cause they, you know, it's so professional. And I understand why, because the money's good. I mean, you've played through a, you know, a number of different eras in the sport. Who would you say was the, the toughest opponent you played was? My toughest opponent? I'd have to say Dennis Priestley. I, I, I had some fantastic games against him. And, you know, it's always been... I have to play out of my skin to beat him. Thirty years on, basically now from from that win you had at the World Masters, what memories does that bring back for you? For every year I see it, it's uh, you know special. I remember uh, afterwards you have like the award dinners and things like that, and you've got to stand up there when they call out the winners and make a speech, and it and things like that that just don't happen anymore. Mm. You're in front of the whole world that's there, you know, from every country in the world masters them them days, and you've got to make a speech in front of them. You know, it's it's just it just don't happen anymore. You know, probably the sky walls when you go and click. You know, the world champion goes up and makes a speech and everything like that. But it's, it's just not the same. We obviously don't know what's going to happen with the, the virus and how they're going to play Q School next year, but that's obviously in your plans. What do you still want to achieve in darts? I just want to go out there and try and prove, because uh, every time I've been there, I've been beat first round, and uh, I just want to get my game to where I can get it at and uh, just go out there and enjoy it and do some damage. Hmm. Uh, Barney's going again this year, apparently, which would be interesting to see him there. Mm. You know, and all the other players, the BDO, that you know, they, they've got no future there. So let them all come to Q School.
And it's better for you know, it's better for the PDC, it's better for all the shareholders. The more players we're getting across there, you know, everyone's seen the prize money. You know, what a good job the PDC do. We're not crammed into playing shoulder to shoulder. You've got plenty of room. You know, you've got top quality chalkers, you've got top quality boards. You know, when you're with the BDO, you've got crap bubbles and you have to turn it around, you know. You've got to get your own markers. It's completely professional. And that's the way darts should be. And looking back on your career, what would you say was the, the biggest highlight for you? Biggest highlight? I guess winning the World Match Play and the World Masters. Uh, the World Masters was harder. Because you started from day one with you know, all the different countries that were there. Uh, and that, you know, before this, they had the last... The top 16 players were in the last 32. They didn't have to play from day one. Uh, so that was one of the hardest to win. With the format as well, which is... I think it was three legs a set. That's the three sets. And it went up to like five sets when you got to the last eight. Uh, so winning that and then the world match player, I guess. Uh, biggest disappointment was losing in the news of the world farm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Peter. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, Q School goes ahead and you're able to give it a good go next year. Yeah, cheers, mate. No problem. Anytime you need me, just call me.